All right, welcome everyone to a very special evening. Um, we've called this an evening of Torah and unity. And um, I'm sure I can speak for, um, yeah, I, I usually don't like speaking for others, but I would venture to say that I, um, I speak for all of us in saying that this has been quite a difficult um, week. And I think that, you know, as we, um, you know, as we deal with our, all of the emotions and we deal with all of the, um, the stories that we're hearing and the visuals that we're seeing and the news that we're getting, I think what's clear is that we're stronger when we are together and we are more, um, as, as far as a response, we are, um, we're just more poised and posed for a, a healthy response when we are together in achdut, in unity, um, and in uh, brotherly and sisterly love. And so that really is the aim of the evening, to gather together. We have a beautiful in-person community as well as an online community joining us here tonight. Um, and really the, uh, the goal is to have conversations together, but centered around Torah study. I wrote in the communication that there are three major approaches or responses in Judaism in times of, uh, of tzara, in times of distress. We have Torah, tefillah, and tzedakah. Those are the three approaches. They're the three, uh, the three you know, avenues. Torah study, prayer, and charity and good deeds. And of course, tonight, the focus is on Torah study, but I do want to open with, um, with prayers. And uh, there is a booklet of prayers, in addition to the Torah study booklet, there's a booklet of prayers that you have in front of you. Nope, don't see anybody there. And um, we have, there are two Psalms, two chapters of Psalm, Psalm 20, and on the back page, Psalm 122. We're going to open the evening by reciting Psalm 20 together. Uh, we'll recite it together in the Hebrew. The Hebrew is printed there along with the translation and a transliteration. Um, and uh, I'd like to, to read this together. I'm going to pull this up for our online crew in just a quick moment. Okay, here we go. And one more thing before we get started, I just want to acknowledge and extend a special thank you to Dr. Joy Maxey for sponsoring tonight's event. Thank you, Dr. Maxey, um, for helping sponsor tonight's uh, event, this evening of solidarity, uh, Torah, and unity. All right, so let's, uh, let's open with this Psalm, chapter 20. It, uh, you can read it from the Hebrew or from the transliteration, and let's do that together. Lam natseach mizmar ledavid, yancha Adonai beyom tzara, yisagevcha shem Elohe Yaakov, yishlach ezracha mikodesh umitzion yisadeka, yizkar kol minchosecha v'olascha yidash nasela, yitain lecha chilvavecha, Vechol atzascha yimale, Niranna bishuasecha, Uveshem Elohenu nigdagal, Yimale adenai kol meshalosecha, Ata yadaiti, Ki hoshia adenai meshichai, Yaneu meshme kachai, Begavurais yesha yiminai, Ele varechev, Viele vasusim, Vanachnu beshem adenai Elohenu nazkir, Hema karo vinafalo, Vanachnu kamnu vanis oidod, Adenoi Hashia, Hamelech Yanenu, Yom Karenu. 
That is chapter 20 of Psalms, and I will mention that chapter 20 is a very special chapter of Psalms that is typically recited in times of distress, in times uh, when blessings are needed, whether it's a blessing for good health, a blessing for Yeshua, salvation, blessing for any, uh, any very relevant, pertinent, and personal need. We recite chapter 20, and that's, uh, that's how we're opening this evening. After our Torah study ses- session, we are going to be reciting uh, the, on the back page of this, uh, this booklet, chapter 122 of Psalms. That will come at the end of tonight's program. And of course, the third piece of it, tzedakah, you can certainly give it any time to any worthy cause. Um, and I know all of us have been giving and been contributing, and so I, ple- I, I encourage you to keep on giving and, and supporting uh, worthy causes. All right, let's jump into tonight's Torah discussion. I wanted to connect uh, the conversation tonight. I felt it would be meaningful to have a conversation that pertains not only to Israel and what's going on in Eretz Israel and the Holy Land, but also um, a conversation that pertains to the Torah portion this week, which is Bereshit. As I'm sure you know, this week we begin studying the Torah. Um, studying the Torah uh, from anew. We, we actually concluded the Torah reading on Simcha Torah, uh, which is you know, the, the day of the festival, the, the day of celebration in Israel. That's when, of course, the, um, this massacre and the, the terror happened. Um, on Simcha Torah, we conclude the reading of the five books of Moses, the Torah, and we begin from the beginning. Literally, Bereshit in the beginning. But we only read the first piece of the beginning, the seven days of creation, and then we close it out, and, uh, and that's it for that day. What we're doing, what we're doing um, uh, this Shabbat is reading the entire opening Torah portion of Bereshit. And I thought it would be meaningful to explore uh, some themes of the Torah portion and relate it to the land of Israel, to the Holy Land, and to, uh, to our personal lives as well. And, and perhaps even to a call for what we, what we can be doing in our own lives in a time like this to give ourselves um, moments of, uh, or experiences of meaning and, um, and, and purpose. And just to, just to, to mention that, I, I, I'm sure you have had this experience. That's right over here. Two together. Next to my mom. Very special scene. <laughs> so... Um, I, I'm sure you've had this experience, but maybe, you know, because uh, I, uh, I dress like a rabbi, but I've been stopped, I've been approached by, I don't know how many people, um, whether it's in synagogue or, you know, at, at Kroger or on the street or just driving on the road and saying, you know, either uh, uh, messages of support and, and, and sentiments of, 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 of unity, but also one of the, one of the strong senses that, I, that I've been getting is people not really knowing what to do. It's like, I, I feel something, I want to do something, I don't really know what to do. And again, as we started today's session, I wrote in the emails and, and, and the conversation, the communication, you know, clearly Judaism has um, spiritual uh, uh, paths for us to take in moments of distress, Torah study, tefillah, uh, prayer, and tzedakah. Um, but I think it's also a time when we take stock of, of, of what, what we can do personally and where we are, you know, in our perhaps and in, in our greater life's mission. And so I want to speak to that as well tonight. So I want to begin with the opening verses of the Torah. 
and we'll do a bit of an analysis together. Um, the way we'll do this is you each have the text in front of you. I'm going to put it up on the screen as well. And I'll ask, we'll just go around, and if you don't mind reading, that would be amazing. So let's start with uh, text number one. This is in the, um, is this magenta? Is that the right, is that the right uh, color? Did I get that right? Yeah, I'm very proud of my color identifications. All right, so here this is the magenta text. Let me pull this up nice and large on the screen so everyone can read it as well here on Zoom. Okay, here we go. Um, Dasi, you up to reading? Sure. Okay, amazing. Thank you. In the beginning of God's creation of the heavens and the earth, now the earth was astonishingly empty, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God separated between the light and between the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And it was evening, and it was morning, one day. Okay, thank you for reading that. Um, these are the first five verses of the Torah. And by the way, I'm going to point out something that might have struck you, which is verse number one. The translation here is different than what you've, I would imagine what you've typically encountered. Um, typically, the first verses translated as, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. The reason why this is translated as in the beginning of God's creation of heaven and earth, etc., is based on Rashi, Rashi's understanding of how the sentence structure and the grammar of this opening verse goes. He says, it does not read as, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Rather, in the beginning of God's creation of heaven and earth, here's what happened. A bit of a different take on it. Um, it's interesting that the classic translations of the Bible don't follow Rashi's understanding, but we're, we're going, you know, we go Rashi or we go home here. This is, uh, we're very Rashi focused. So this is a translation based on Rashi's, um, Rashi's comment. Now, the first thing that's created is, this is a question, open question. What is the first thing that's created? Verse three, that's my clue. Uh, well, in the beginning, oh, so that's what Rashi says. It's not in the beginning God created heaven and earth. In the beginning of God's creation of heaven and earth, what was the first thing created? Light. In Hebrew, we call that? Or. Or. Light. Okay. The first thing that's created is light. And then what happens after that? I'm keeping this screen, I'm keeping this up on the screen so everyone can reference it online. What happens after God creates light? God sees in verse 4 that the light was good. So what does he do? Separates it. Shkoyach. What are you doing? You had something good. Why'd you mess it up? You had light. Now we need some darkness. Are you kidding me? Who does that? You had a good thing going. It's like yeah, you were on a roll. You created light and it was good. Now nah, let's create some chaos. It's like the famous joke. Are you with me on the joke? I don't know. I'll get, I'll get to you in a second, but I, I have a custom. I don't interrupt my own jokes. Okay. <laughs> so I do, though, with other jokes. Um, they tell a joke about the, about the, one second, let me figure this out, about the um, politician, doctor, and therapist. Oh, the therapist and the doctor... The therapist, the surgeon, and the politician are having a, sh they're all friends, and they're schmoozing. And the conversation is about who has the original 
Vocation, who has the original occupation? Who was there first? So the therapist says, it was me. Why? Because look, Adam and Eve, after the sin, you think they were talking to each other? He, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake, they were blaming each other, it was all this chaos. And then about Cain and Abel, and brothers were fighting. You don't think they saw a therapist? Oldest, oldest occupation in the world. Okay. The surgeon says, are you kidding me? Before there was the sin, before there was Adam and Eve fighting, there was only Adam. And where do you think Eve came from? Surgery, right? God takes, right? God takes Adam and does some surgery. Boom, now you have Eve. Surgeon is the first, uh, first occupation. Politician says, remember in the beginning, it says that there was chaos. Who do you think created the chaos? <laughs> That's the joke. Okay, back, I don't even know how I got there, but, oh, I know why. God has light, and it's good. And God says, you know what? Let's make it complicated. <sighs> yeah, there was darkness. But then he made light. And the light, but the darkness was be, kind of before creation. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. I don't know. But then God creates light, and it was good. And then he separates between light and darkness. And then in verse 5, I'm just again reiterating, just kind of re recapping this. God calls the light day, associates light with day, and darkness associates with night. Evening and morning one day, of course, this is the source of Jewish time, which is very weird, where the day starts at night, right? Because day one starts in the e like evening and morning one day, so that's how we know that Shabbat, for example, this week starts when? 6... 45, 50, whatever. <laughs> 6 o'clock at night, right? Already you're starting the next day. Who does that? We do that. We base this on this, on verse 5. But now you have two segments. You have the light, which is good. It's, it's stated the light is good. You have the darkness, which the implication is maybe it's not so good. Separated out into those two spaces, um, evening and morning, and that constitutes one day. The sages point out, and the mystics point out as well, this is something that's, that's well discussed um, in the mystical texts, and that is that um, the order is significant. It's first evening and then it's morning. Because the way life works is that so often to get to the light, you go through darkness. To get to the light, to get to the breakthrough of light, to get to the, the good times, oftentimes it's preceded first by the negative, Debbie. Good, 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 good. Excellent question. So I'll share with you an insight in a second. So what we see here is that the order of a day is first Erev and then Boker. First evening and then morning. First darkness and then light. Because that's how life so often goes. That the good times or the breakthroughs or the, the moments of joy sometimes are born of struggle, of difficulty, of darkness. Why does it have to be that way? I wish I knew the answer. I wish I knew why this had to be. Why couldn't God have just created the light? There was darkness beforehand. But God created the light. Leave a light. Nope. Vayi'ere, vayi'boker. Yeah. 
Could be. Th- my, I, you, what you're saying is true. Yes. My counterpoint would be, try us. <laughs> you can't appreciate the light without darkness. Let's give it a try. Especially in moments like this. It's like, you know what? I, I would renege. It's like the rabbit you said more than on one occasion. He said, it says in, it says in the good books that the longer the exile is, the greater the light of Geula. The Rebbe said on more than one occasion, we'll forsake the extra light to end it now. Yeah? Hold, hold the extra, hold, hold the supersize me on the fries. Let me, just take, let me just take the order right now. I'll forgo, I'll forgo the extra, you know, the whipped cream on top. Let me just take this. So why does it have to be like this? I don't know. But this is clearly the way God creates it. But to get back to Debbie's question, what's clear here, the first thing that's created is R, is light, which tells us that the purpose of it all is the light. So even though so often we're wading through darkness, right, we're, we're making our way through those dark spaces, through the Erev, the Torah is reminding us of the goal, and really the objective is the R, is that light. Mark. Yeah. Uh, going back to your joke, really, politician, yeah. it really sounds like the first thing that was created was void. Because it says yeah. that uh, the earth was, was empty. Well, before that, there was literally Before that, there was what? Before that, there was literally nothing. So this right. Like, so, I like this, like, a, a definitive nothing is what it sounds like. Interesting. In other words, there's nothing, yeah. and then there's the nothing that we call nothing, yeah. which is the something that is called nothing. The nothing formerly known, the nothing formerly known, formerly known as something, or formerly known as Twitter. One of those two, one of those, one of those nothings. Anyway, um, yeah, I hear you, but it does say the first thing that God creates and says it was good is the light. And so that's why a lot of the commenters understand that whatever was before was before. That was however it got there. We didn't talk about. It doesn't say that God created the void or God created the chaos. It was there. And then however it got there. But you're right. It sounds like a, a definition of something which had to have been somehow formed. But the first thing that is articulated as being created and being good is that light. And yet the process is that first Arab and then Boker, which again, you know, we, we, who wants that darkness? I don't think anyone's raising their hand for the darkness. Well, Take God, away the darkness. God didn't say the void was good. No, it was, yes, correct, correct. The, the, void, is not, the void is not a good thing. Um, yes, sure. I would just like to point out that a child, a baby, is, is in the dark, and then... Yeah, and then there's light. And there's light. Right. And, the whole and it's a painful, uh, painful journey. And, and so that it begins. Yeah, in that's the also dark. true. Just right. Like the, Jew, the day begins in the yeah. dark. Yeah. Evening and morning. Right. Yeah. Good point. Okay, so that is the opening idea that I wish to share, which certainly we can uh, we can relate to our to our um, you know what what we're what we're facing and what we're going through right now is certainly. An Erev, an Erev moment, um, and we wish, we wish for the boker, we wish for the, for, the, for, the, for the light. We don't know exactly what form of light that light will take. Our faith tells us that there is light, and our 
faith also demands that we demand and we ask Hashem that light not have to go through this process of Erev and then Boker. And end this process and just have the light. Now, I want to continue to analyze this um, based on the following, the next text, uh, text number two, which is, actually, I'm sorry, we're not going to do text number two, we're going to skip text two. That's Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica about Judaism. We're going to skip that. Um, we're going to go straight to text number three. Text number three is a comment from Rashi. It's not only a comment uh, from Rashi, it is the very first commentary of Rashi on the entire Torah. And um, this Rashi is going to open up a brand new vista of understanding, um, a real, real, uh, like a, a window of insight into the Torah, into the opening verses of Torah, and really into what the Torah is, uh, what the agenda of the Torah is in its, uh, in its uh, opening verses. All right, so Meira, I'll ask you to read this, but give me one second so I can pull this up for our folks online. Okay, I'm ready. Thanks. In the beginning, said Rabbi Yitzchak, it was not necessary to begin the Torah except from this month is to you, Exodus, which is the first commandment that the Israelites were commanded. Now, for what reason did he commence with in the beginning? Because of the verse, the strength of his works he related to his people to give them the inheritance of the nations. For if the nations of the world should say to Israel, You are robbers, for you conquered by force the lands of the seven nations of Canaan. They will reply, The entire earth belongs to the Holy One, blessed be he. He created it. This we learn from the story of the creation, and gave it to whomever he deemed proper when he wished. He gave it to them, and when he wished, he took it away from them and gave it to us. Thank you. So this is a very, it's a bit of a dense Rashi, and I want to break this up into different pieces. And the two major pieces that we're going to break this up into are the question and the answer, which makes sense. Paragraph one and paragraph two. In paragraph one, Rashi sets forth the question. And I will tell you that this is a bit of an unusual um, uh, methodology for Rashi, in that if you've studied uh, Chumash and Rashi, the Torah text and Rashi in other verses, you'll probably have noticed that Rashi is typically very succinct, very brief. There's a lot of brevity in Rashi's comment, uh, in his commentary, to the point that he doesn't typically articulate the question and the answer. He just makes a comment, and there are super commentaries on Rashi, commentaries on Rashi's commentary that explain why Rashi comments what he does, and what he means and the question that he's addressing, here was the question, here's the answer, here's the new idea, here's the paradigm shift. Beautiful explanations of Rashi himself, but here in this opening Rashi, Rashi does the work for us. He says, I'm not going to make you guess the question, here's the question, and I'm not going to make you infer the answer, um, this is the answer. What's the question, what's the answer? Let's begin with the question. The question is, why does, and he quotes Rabbi Yitzchak, he says, and the question is, why does the Torah begin with the narrative of creation? It rather should have begun with a verse from Exodus 12. HaChodesh Hazeh Lochem, which is the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. What's the significance of that verse and that mitzvah? It is the very first mitzvah that God gives the Jewish people as a nation God has given individuals commandments. God has given uh, Adam and Eve the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. God has given the commandment to Noah 
to, um, you know, to not uh, consume Abram and Achai, limbs from, uh, you know, for, uh, consume an animal alive. God has commanded Abraham uh, to circumcise himself, the mitzvah brit milah. But the very first commandment, collective commandment for the entire Jewish nation is the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh, setting the Jewish calendar. And now you wonder why Jews are obsessed with the Jewish calendar. You get 20 calendars every year. Now you know why. Very first mitzvah, very first mitzvah that the Jewish people receive is the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. Rashi's question, quoting Rabbi Yitzchak, the question is, the Torah should have started with the first mitzvah. Now, you might be thinking, why would it start from there? Well, all of this is based on an unspoken premise that Rashi has. And the unspoken premise is that Torah is not a book of history. If Torah was a history book, if Torah was a book about the origin of life, well, then all of this makes sense. In the beginning of God's creation, there was darkness and void, and then God created light. Narrative continues from there. All of that makes sense if this is a history of the world or history of the universe. How did we get here book? The book of how we got here. If that's the case, it makes sense. But if Torah is, a, is an instruction manual for Jewish life, if it is detailing the mitzvot, the commandments that we need to do, then the question, uh, the question comes to the fore. And the question is, why begin with a story and not with the guidebook? Imagine. It's the preamble. Yeah, it's a long preamble. Think about this. Imagine you buy a toaster oven made by Sunbeam. I think that's a real company, right? Sunbeam? I don't know if they make toaster ovens, but it doesn't matter. Let's assume they did. Assume they do. You buy a toaster oven, yeah, or a toaster, even better. Toaster from Sunbeam. Great. And you open up the manual, it says, well, here's how this works. Many, many, many years ago, there was no life on this planet. Then human beings emerged. Then the need, to, then people figured out how to make bread. Can you imagine how much trial and error went into that? I always think about food in that context, trial and error. Who figured out how to make bread? That must have been a lot. Probably a lot of things were tried before people were like, this actually tastes good. Anyway, the point is, the point is that that, that instruction manual will be very long and very um, convoluted. And by the time it told you how to use the toaster, how to make toast and the settings, you would probably, yeah, number one, you'd be very hungry, exactly. You'd find something else to eat. Or uh, you would lose interest. So the point is when you're reading an instruction manual about a toaster, you want to know what do the buttons do, how to work it, and how to maintain it. You want to know how to use it. So if the Torah is an instruction manual for the Jew, start with Rosh Chodesh, give me the first mitzvah, or tell me what to do with, uh, with the Jewish calendar, and let's go from there. This whole preamble about God creating heaven and earth and how it happened, and Adam and Eve and Noah's ark and all this stuff, wow, it's, I mean, it's wonderful stories. But it doesn't seem to fit the motif, I think is the right word, of Torah, if Torah is a book of Jewish instruction. I yes. First, yeah. I thought the first mitzvah would be fruitful and multiply. It is, but that's the first collective mitzvah. We're talking about the specific Jewish mitzvah. As a people, the Jewish people, the first mitzvah that we get as a nation is Exodus 12. Yeah. So how does Rashi reconcile? Mm. 
Good, 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 good. Once we pump up the question, now the problem is going to be the answer. Good, good, good. All right, but let's just so we're clear on the question. The premise of Rashi, and by the way, I have to say the premise of Rashi, um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go to the next text. Text number four. Marala Prague. Um, Mom, are you up to reading? Text number four, please. The title Torah really only refers to the mitzvot in the Torah. For the etymology of the Hebrew word Torah is found in Hora'ah, instruction. That's why we only use the term for the five books of Moses. As in the verse, this is the Torah of Moses, because that's where the mitzvot are documented. Rabbi David Kimchi also translates Torah as Hora'ah. Accordingly, the only thing it should document is mitzvot. Oh, that's how the Marala Prague explains Rashi's question. By the way, the Marala Prague is the famous creator of the Golem, right? The Golem of Prague. That, that was the, um, I don't know, Frankenstein-like. Uh, anybody been to Prague? Yeah. Prague, yeah. They have, uh, my understanding is, I have never been there, but they have a statue of the golem in front of the Jewish quarter. They have the rabbi and the golem. That's what I've heard. What position did he play? Offensive lineman. <laughs> they do have golem. Oh, interesting. Little tchotchke. They have a snow globe. That's what I want. A golem snow globe. That would be. Uh... Huh? Crazy on golem, yeah. Uh, listen, the golem was about protecting the Jewish people. We could use some golems. That's the bottom line. We could use some golems. There's fascinating origin stories of, uh, of what's it called again? Of, uh, of the golem and, sorry, of the Maral himself. He was born on the night of Passover in the midst of a blood libel, it's, it's, his birth was very much intertwined with a blood libel, and so he dedicated his life to fighting the blood libels, and that's the origin story for the golem. The point is that he, well, amongst other things, he also wrote a book called Gur Aryeh, which, was a, which is a commentary on Rashi. I mentioned there are many commentaries on Rashi's commentary. This is one of them, and he explains Rashi's question. Torah, Milashin Hora'a, Torah is... Torah means instruction. It, it, it literally means teaching and instruction. And if Torah is a, is a book of instruction, why the history? Why the need for the origin story? I found in my anecdotal research that the only product on the shelf that gives you an origin story is barbecue sauce, for whatever reason. That's the only product on the shelf that will tell you that in 1894, you know, Grandpa Bob you know, blended something together, and now we share this recipe with you for your bar. I don't know why ketchup doesn't do that. Barbecue sauce, no mustard, mayo, no one has, a, has an origin story. Barbecue sauce has an origin story. I'm sure you've encountered it also in the back of the box. All right, getting back to this. Why do we need the origin story? The whole story of creation seems to be superfluous. It does not seem to be necessary. That's Rashi's question. Now we turn to Rashi's answer. What does he say? You know why the Torah starts in a completely different space and it goes all the way back to the beginning to tell us about how God created the world and all that. You know why? Because if at any point in history, 
I mean, this probably would never happen, right? Hmm. If at any point in history, the nations of the world would look, would turn to the Jewish people and say, you have no right to be in the land of Israel, right? I'm sure that sounds a little familiar, right? Why are you there, huh? They would. They would? Who would do that? Who would challenge such a, such a, such a thing, right? If that were, Rashi says, if that were to ever happen, then we can just pull out the document and say, look, God, God created the world, and here's the timeline. He first gave it to other nations, and then he clearly communicated his wish to give it to Abraham, and then he clearly communicated the wish to give it to Isaac, sorry, Abraham and his descendants, then Isaac and his descendants, and then Jacob and his descendants. And so thus, it is our land, it is Jewish land, in order that we should have a, for lack of a better term, a chain of custody of the land, God um, ensconced, am I making up words? Maybe I am, maybe I'm not, ensconced, all right? First time I've ever tried it in, in, in verbally. God ensconced this concept within the document, within the canon of Torah. And so God says, if anyone ever has any claims, just pull out the document, here is the, here is the, um, the, or, the, the deed, you know, here's the timeline, here's the chain of custody, here's the whole thing from the beginning, to the Jewish people, there you have it. That's the story, Odette. That's, that was the intention? Yeah. Like the first uh, whole book and a few episodes in the second book? Why did they start with the Torah, with the mitzvot, and put that in the back? It's like, if you Good. Good. Odette now has a question on the answer on the question. Good. So we, our question was, if Torah is a book of instruction, why include the beginning, the preamble? The answer is to answer the nations of the world. Oded's question is, well, one second. You can document that elsewhere. Excellent question. Good, good, yeah. Did he give it to the seven nations? The Torah. Sure, absolutely. By the way, the major world religions, I, I'm not an expert in the major religions, but the major two, Christianity and Islam, I believe are also... Uh, um, also believe as a core foundation in the five books of Moses. And so, again, this chain of custody is well accepted as a core foundational text by all of the major world religions. And so, again, that's Rashi's point. Oded's question is, one second, you want to share that, throw it somewhere else. I have another question. Maybe you have this question also. I have another question. Is this that important to open the Bible with that? And maybe that's your question also. Right, if it's really a book of instruction, then, so, Naniach, let's say, let's assume this is important. It is important, let's say it's important. But it doesn't change the nature of the book, it's still an instruction manual. I guess this is your question. Put it somewhere else. Is it, is it that important to go switch around the whole, the, the, it, it, to not even switch around, to reshape the entire Torah, the entire Bible, just to answer this, and, and should we even care? I mean, we should care. But should we take the claim of the nations of the world so, so to heart that we have to be so defensive as to, when I say we, God is so defensive that he reshapes Torah to answer that question? That seems to be a little excessive. You understand the question on, on Rashi's answer? A little bit, yeah. communal mitzvah for the nation before we're a nation. We don't become a nation until the Torah, the early parts of the Torah, right? Until we get to the point yes. where we're 
this was this was right before <laughs> it was so close this was the first commandment given to it was communicated to Moshe to Moses um, while still in Egypt this is even before the Exodus like the night be, uh, no not the night before it was like uh, Rosh Chodesh two weeks before the Exodus um, and so your question is but they weren't a nation yet they were at the cusp of nationhood it seems like that was, if we're grading on a curve, they just got in. But it, the intention was, as a mitzvah, to be a collective mitzvah for this people that will be born with the Exodus and given the canon of Torah. When that mitzvah was given, sure. saying, if the Torah has to tell the story of how the nation... Oh, that's what you're saying. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry for completely misunderstanding you. You're saying, how could the Torah, according to Marala Prague, uh, based on understanding Rashi, how could... What, what would it look like? The Torah would say, God said to the people, here you go. Well, who are the people? Who's God? How do we even know who anyone is? Who are the characters here? You have to establish the character. Great question. Either, either Rashi's intent is that it could have minimized the, the general story of creation and, and human beings and just focused on, you know, more, more myopically, focused on Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that, that narrative, maybe. Or, literally, Rashi's suggesting that the Torah be a list of rules and the background information would be contained in a completely different canon. Which, by the way, is not crazy. Like, have a Sefer mitzvot, a book of mitzvot, right? Here's what you need to do, here's the list. Right? And then, as far as who you are and who that, you have other books, other books that record. It would be similar to, you know, the books of, let's say, the books of the prophets, which tell stories about Joshua and Samuel and David, and Saul and David and, 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 and Solomon. You have all these wonderful stories. It's not Torah. Okay, it's Tanakh. But it's not what we call the Torah of Tanakh, because Torah is the mitzvot. That's what makes Torah, Torah. So you can have the stories in another space, but the mitzvot should be just, you know, contained. So either one of those approaches would work. Either you give the basic background to the nation or maybe cut the whole thing out. That could be Rashi's question. Rashi's answer is no, because we need to address the question of uh, the, the claim of the nations. Now, again, the obvious point is it's very, um, it's very uh, telling that even in 2023, 5784, right, we're still dealing with this question. Of, of, of Israel's right to exist as a Jewish land. Yeah, David. So if the Torah opens up effectively as a result of a title search, yeah. why don't we own China? He gave us the world. He didn't give us a sliver of the world. Well, he, well no, in the Torah it says that giving you this land, which, is, um, which has boundaries. No, God himself details in Deuteronomy the borders of the land of Israel, and that's the gift that he's giving to the Jewish people. So the whole earth he creates, but this specific sliver of land he's giving to the Jewish people, and that's the title search. But again, the question, I think we're all kind of touching on this question, is it seems like an important question, and, and obviously as it stands today, as, as it has before, an existential question. Um, and yet, is it worthy of starting Torah with this? There's a lot of big questions. Is this the thing that we should start Torah with? And, and even if it's important, couldn't we have found another context to share this information with? So I want to share with you 
um, a perspective that the Rebbe shared in, in, in his analysis of this Rashi in the opening of Torah, which I think, again, is very, very uh, um, relevant to the times we find ourselves in, number one, and also speaks to our purpose and mission and perhaps gives us a little bit of light in, in these times in our lives um, and in our history. And, and that perspective is as follows. You know, many of us, well, uh, let, me, let, me start, let me start a bit of a different way. It's very easy to, to, uh, to believe or to think, to imagine that our Judaism is one component of our life, um, but then there are other components that are not related to our Jewish identity. So, for example, somebody might say, you know, I'm an accountant, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a therapist, I'm a whatever it is. I was about to say I'm a rabbi, but that wouldn't work in this example. Right? I have a vocation, I go to work, and this is who I am during the day. And then maybe I go to shul in the morning, or shul in the evening, I go to a Torah class, I give tzedakah, I do this, I do, I do, a, mit, I do a lot of mitzvahs throughout the day, fine, sure. However, but there's, there's certain, yeah, everything is siloed almost. There's a space in which I'm a person, and then there's a space in which I'm a Jew. There's a space of physical life and a space of spiritual life. There's a space for materialism and a space for, uh, uh, you know, for, for, the, for the higher things um, uh, in life. And that is a very valid, uh, valid, that is a very common approach. Even if we're not consciously thinking along those terms, I will say it's a very common approach to think that, you know, I'm, I am who I am and then I do these good deeds, I, I do my Jewish things and I have that as a, as a thing. And that is um, essentially... Um, dividing life, dividing reality into two spaces. The space of materialism and the space of spiritualism. Dividing into two distinct domains. And again, it's, it's, it's very reasonable for a person to assume that and to, and to take an, a life approach that way. However, however, Judaism, I share this in many classes and many, many occasions, Judaism is not a religion. Why? Because a religion means that this is something you believe in or something that you, know, you, you aspire to or have faith in or whatever it is. That's what a religion is. Judaism is not a religion, it's a way of life. Which means that Judaism is not meant to only be experienced in shul or in the Beit Medrash or in you know, moments, the holidays. Judaism is, is, a, is, a, is meant, it's a holistic way of life. Now you might be thinking, well, wait a second, it doesn't, doesn't affect my whole life. It tells me what to do, you know, on a holiday, eat matzah, sound the chauffeur, it tells me what to do on Shabbat, you know, refrain from work. What does it tell me about carpool? It, it does. It does, right? Always, it, Torah says, use your right foot for the gas and your right foot also for the, I'm kidding. No, but it, Torah informs the way we live. The messages of Torah are relevant to every part of our life. Torah sets forth values that we can integrate, and we must, we really are, are called upon to integrate into every part of our life, so that whether we're shopping, whether we're, you know, I don't know, random examples, probably not relevant tonight, watching game four, is it five, four, five, four? It's two to one. Is it two to one? Okay. Game four of the, uh, of the NLDS. Whatever it is, whatever we're doing, we can find an opportunity to make it a spiritual experience. The goal of Judaism is in all your ways, know God. 
knowing God in all of your ways, not just when you're doing an overt mitzvah. You see, the thing about a mitzvah is that it's already holy. A Torah scroll is already holy before we touch it, before we study from it, it's already holy. When we study from it, so we encounter holiness. But we didn't create that. You know what's even more dramatic? When you take a piece of food, that's not holy. It's just a piece of food. And then you say a bracha. You recite a blessing. And then you eat a l'shem shemaim. You eat it with the intention that you're going to utilize the energy for a higher purpose. Now you've radically transformed the energy of that food. And that's something significant. Not the studying Torah is not significant. Right? But transforming the nature of reality is something phenomenal. You see, there's three domains in life. The forbidden, the holy, and the larger area in between, which is the neutral. The forbidden is off limits, that's unholy. The holy is already holy. Do holy things, great. But the middle space, that large, vast middle space, the gray, the neutral part of life, that's where we can really contribute to this thing called life, to this, to this um, partnership called creation. We contribute in those gray spaces. We contribute in this space of neutrality to transform the neutral into the positive. I sound like an electron, or is it a proton? I don't know, Where, uh, whatever. Protons are positive. Are you proton? I'm kidding. Are you positive? No. All right. Right. So that is that. That's the goal to transform the neg. Sorry, the neutral into the positive. That's the goal. It's straight up science. Uh, right. This is Judaism. So Judaism exists really, essentially, in every space, not just the small corners of our day. It's not like we're Jewish out of 24 hours. We do Jewish things or we, we, we identify with our Judaism for like 60 minutes a day, maybe 45 minutes in the morning, Shachris, then 15 minutes, oh, maybe more than 60, 15 minutes for Mincha, 15 minutes for Mayrev, that's already, what are we up to, an hour and 15 Mitzvahs throughout the day, so maybe an hour and 45 minutes a day, two hours a day, we're, we do Jewish things. The rest of the day, we're a normal, normal person. Jews are not meant to be normal. Uh, sorry, don't, don't isolate that quote. <laughs> Jews are not meant to live that, that way, right? We're meant that every part of our day should be informed and inspired Jewishly. This explains on a deeper level what Rashi's saying. On a basic level, we get it. In 2023... October 12, 2023, there are still people in the world and people that will have no fear of spouting this on, in the media or social media or in our faces. People say, get out of the land, it's not yours, you stole it. Rashi says, people will say that. How could Rashi have known? Rashi knew. To, to this very day, people are still singing that same song. You don't belong there. And Rashi says, look at David, I love how you said that. Look at the title. What did you call it? Title search. Here's the title search. This is it. This is, this is the whole story. Take a look. You believe in this document also. It's your document as much as it's our document. It's the foundational document. Show me in your document where it says anything else. None of your new documents contradict that. It's all based on the original document. This is the story. So that's the simple answer. Simple. That's profound also. But that's the simple meaning of Rashi. The deeper meaning of Rashi is that it's telling us about life. When the nations of the world say to us, you stole land. What does that mean? You took the earth 
and you're trying to make it, you're trying to append an adjective to land. Which adjective? Holy. You're trying to make land holy? The nations of the world say, list them at them. Y'all, y'all, y'all are thieves. Y'all stole this land. Not only this land, but all the lands. You have no right taking Gashmiut, the physicality of the world, and making it Ruchniut, and making it spiritual. How dare you? You want to do spiritual things? Stay in your lane. Grab a Torah scroll, grab a pair of tefillin, grab a mezuzah, grab a pair of tzitzis, and do holy things. Knock yourselves out. You want to transform the mundane experiences into holy experiences too? Back off. Back off. This is a spiritual understanding of what Rashi is saying. The nations of the world say, you turn the land, you made it into a holy land. You're calling it Israel? It's Canaan. It's Canaan. It's an unholy land. Who, what, what right do you have to even take any land? You want to do spiritual things? Great. You don't need a physical plot on earth to do that. Right? You want to do spiritual things? Great. Meditate and levitate and do your thing. Why do you need a physical land? For what? And to this is the response. God created the world. And why did God create the world? That's how I started today's session, today's class. God created the world in order for there to be our light. That light should permeate everywhere. And it's only afterwards that God separates between the light and the dark spaces. But the real goal is that everywhere should be light. And so we tell the nations of the world to this more spiritual claim that you want to pigeonhole Judaism and to pigeonhole Jews and to kind of um, um, put us in a certain spot to marginalize, to marginalize us in a certain space and say, you don't get to be everywhere and involved in everything and share Jewish ideas on life itself. You get to grab your Torah and dance around the little bima and that's it, that's all we're giving you. And the response is, God created the entire world. And God created the entire world as light. And then God brought in the darkness. And our goal is to undo the darkness. And how do we undo the darkness? By revealing the inherent light, by revealing the light embedded in every corner of creation. That is our job. And how do we do that? Very simply, by utilizing the stuff of this world for a higher purpose. And that reveals the light embedded in creation. And so, just to recap this, we learned Rashi, just to explain, on two levels. There's the simple level and then the spiritual level. The simple level is, Rashi saying the nations of the world are going to call us thieves, and the answer is God created the world, he gave it to us, end of story. Here's the title. Here's the title search. The, on a deeper level, the nations of the world say to us, you stole the land, i.e. you took land and tried to make it holy. Who, what gives you right to make a land holy? And the answer is, who gives us the right? God created the world for the purpose of the earth being holy. And we're not stopping with the land of Israel. The goal is that everything we touch... We are spiritual alchemists. Everything that we touch is meant to turn to gold. Not physical gold, spiritual gold. Meant to turn, transform everything into a space of spirituality. That's the goal of life. And so we come full circle. We're facing a time, at least in my lifetime, that's unprecedented. With, and you know, every few years it seems like there's this cycle. 
Right? This, is, this feels different, and it is different. But with every cycle, you always have the pushback. Why are you there in the first place? We need to be confident. Number one, we have to have confidence. Confidence that we belong there. If we're not sure that we belong there, then we are starting off in a huge disadvantage in any conversation. Confidence that we belong there. Confidence that this is God's gift to us. Proudly own your gift. We need to proudly own our gift, our gift from God. That's message number one from Rashi. Message number two, thinking about what it is that we can do. What can we do? We can send money, we can send supplies, and we need to. We need to support we need to support in messaging. We need to study Torah. We need to daven. We need to do all of these things. And at the same time, the second message of Rashi on the deeper level is to recognize that everything that we touch can be uplifted. We are spiritual alchemists, turning lead into gold, turning matter into spirit. God took spirit and made it into matter, and our job is to reverse, reverse what God did. God took ethereal energy and turned it into physical substance. Our objective is to take that physical substance and revert it back to ethereal, not to undo the fabric of existence in a literal sense, but to to display, to put on full display how this world is God's garden, which means in very simple terms, to be light makers. Our job is to spread the light in a world of darkness, in a world of coldness, in a world in which so often there's so much pain and suffering. Our job, every single one of us, individually as well as obviously collectively, our job is to generate light, is to take the darkness and undo it, to take the matter and undo it until it shines spiritually, to show the authorship of this space as God. To use an example that has come up in, 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 in recent years many, many times, you often have these paintings that, um, you know, from the masters, from like the greatest artists, and they've put them through these x-rays, and they see that behind the art was another painting. And behind that painting was another painting. You see, back in the day, they didn't go to Michael's to purchase canvases, or who goes to Michael's? The truth is, I don't know where professionals actually get their canvases from because I'm not an artist. Um, what is that? There's a Blick. Is that, a, is that an art store? Blick? I got that right? Oh, maybe I do know. Anyway, so they didn't, they didn't just have them at the ready or order them from Amazon or whatever it is. They, they reused canvases. And when you peel back the layers, you realize that there's another more magnificent layer, more magnificent layer, more magnificent layer. Our job is to peel back the layers and to reveal the inherent beauty. So the class exists in parallel giving you almost two classes, two for one special, two lessons, two parallel lessons. Number one, on a practical level, confident, confidence in Israel, confidence in our, our um, attribution to Israel. Second message, confident in our mission, in our calling to transform the world, sorry, to reveal the light inherent in the world and to, and to, to, to allow everyone to realize that this is indeed a beautiful space. May we very soon see the time in which the earth is so flooded with light that there is no space for darkness to hide. May Israel um, have a swift, uh, I guess the, the, the word that's the, that, that, that we're using is swift victory. Um, 
And may all of those that need healing have healing. May all those that need to be returned to their families be returned. May we see no more heartbreak. May God wipe the tears from all of our faces. And may God bring the ultimate redemption, coming of Mashiach, may be spilled in our days. And let us say, Amen. Before we conclude, we're going to conclude with a prayer. Um, We're going to conclude with Psalm 122. Once again, we're going to recite this in the Hebrew, but this time we're also going to recite the English. Such a beautiful psalm. Speaks about Israel. I'm going to share my screen. And we'll pull this up so that everybody can see it. Um, Give me a second here. Can you guys... All right. Can you thumbs up if you see the text of the Psalms? Did it just come up? Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, I I scroll past it. (laughs) Rookie error. You would think I would know how to use Zoom by now. (laughs) After a thousand classes on Zoom, you would think I would have the hang of it. Okay, we're going to read. We're going to, again, do this in the Hebrew whether you do the Hebrew characters or the Hebrew transliteration. Either way, please join with me as we recite this together. Shir Hamalot Ledavid Samachti Baomrim Li Beis Adonai Nelech. Oimdois Hayu Raglenu Vishorayach Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim Habnuya Kiir Shechubra La Yachtov. Shasham Alu Shavatim Shifteya Eidos Li Yisrael Lahodos Lashem Adonai. Ki shama yashru chisais lemishpat kisais leves David. Sha'alu shalom yerushalayim yeshloyu oyavoyach. Yehi shalom bechelech shalva barmanasayach. Leman achai vereoy. Adabra no shalom bach. Leman beis adonai alahenu avaksha tov lach. And let's recite this together in the English. Beautiful psalm. Part of the 15 sheer. Hamalot, the 15 songs of ascents that David wrote. Um, beautiful backstory, but not for, not for right now. These are there's a series of 15 psalms in a row that all begin Shir Hamalot, Shir Lamalot. Let's do it in the English. A song of ascents for David. I rejoiced when they said to me, We are going to the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built like a city knit together, where the tribes would make pilgrimage, the tribes of God as was enjoined upon Israel to praise the name of the Lord. There the thrones of judgment stood, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you rest in serenity. May there be well-being within your ramparts, peace in your palaces. For the sake of my kin and friends, let me speak of peace in your midst. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will request your good. And of course, the overarching theme of that psalm, there are other ideas, of course, mentioned, but, but the main theme is praying for the peace of Israel, the peace of Jerusalem, and all of those who dwell within it, within the entire Holy Land, and really within the entire world, to be blessed with peace, and let us say, Amen. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining uh, this evening. A few uh, points of mention that are very important for this weekend. Number one, uh, we are in the midst of Chabad centers of Georgia collectively. And by the way, just in case you're wondering how many Chabad rabbis and rebbitsons there are throughout the state, the answer is 36 couples. So 72 rabbis and rebbitsons are probably going to flood your social media over the next 24 hours. Um, <laughs> I only say that. I only smile because I'm serious. But no, really, there's a campaign to send out messages of encouraging uh, individuals to light Shabbat candles, which means, which means if you see that message, um, 
pass it forward. Encourage someone that you know or just post it publicly. Someone that you know to light Shabbat candles and to help bring light into the world. That's for tomorrow evening. And then for Sunday morning, we are doing uh, across Georgia, across Atlanta, Metro, and, and, and throughout other Chabad centers, a grand tefillin wrap. Here in Beth Tefillah, there are, there are services. Sunday morning, there's a, an 8 o'clock service, a 9.30 service. But for just the tefillin, 9 a.m. Sunday morning, there's the big wrap here. Again, you can come to the services, and there's classes after the services. So, you know, don't, not, not to the exclusion or not to take away from the services themselves, but if you know anyone that would like the opportunity to wrap tefillin for Israel, then uh, invite them um, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. here and other Chabad centers each one is doing it a bit of a different time, but really this is an opportunity. If we're looking for something to do, here's an opportunity to spread the light and literally encourage others to, uh, to, to engage in mitzvot and good deeds for the Holy Land. So may all of our actions, our collective actions, and there are a lot of actions happening um, for Israel and for our brethren, may they all um, ascend uh, the heavens and really shake all of the gates that need to be shook and uh, bring down the blessing that we hope for, uh, for all of us. All right, let us say amen. Thank, and thank you for joining tonight. Oh, I also want to mention, I'm sorry. I feel like, but wait, there's more. Uh, but there is more. One more thing. Next Wednesday evening, Rabbi Dr. Label Wolf from Australia will be in town. The topic that we chose months ago is about finding serenity and finding peace of mind in a world gone mad. Now, it's, we're not trying to escape what's going on, but as far as Jewish messages are being centered and having a sense of balance amongst all the things going on around us, this is going to be a very, very powerful evening and a very um, thought-provoking as well as emotional evening. I invite everybody to join us and spread the word. This will be this coming Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. right here at Congregation Beth Tefillah under the auspices of the Torah Center. So please join us for that. It's going to be quite a phenomenal event. All right. Thank you all. Laila Tov, everybody. Great to see everybody. Alex, don't leave before I give you a hug. <laughs> all right. Good to see you guys. Dr. Maxi, thank you again. Karen, great to see you. Really great to see you. Thanks for joining. Thank you. It's Yes, yes. I will, I, will share, I will share an email of the PDF that has all the texts on it. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Sandrine, great to see you. Ray, great to see you. Only blessings. I saw your email. I'm going to make a special mention, Ray. Ray's grandson, Yehuda, was just called up. Yeah, Ray's grandson, Yehuda, was just called up by the IDF. And uh, we wish Yehuda Hatzlacha success and health, and blessings, and you should have nachas, and you should have no reason to worry because the, everything should be swift and secure, and he should be in good hands, and Hashem is watching over him, and you sh we should only hear good news. And, uh, and Ray, I'm thinking about you. I didn't have a chance to respond. I saw your message. I, if I had a chance to sit down and, and type something out, I would have, but I saw it, and I want you to know I've been thinking about you and him, and we are praying for him. And can you tell us his Hebrew name? Um, remind me, can you unmute? Do you know how to unmute? Un unmute? Um, while you unmute, while you unmute, give me one second. I miss you. So great to see you.
Um, Ray, you got it? Are you unmuted? Uh, I wonder if there's a way that I can un unmute you. I can ask you to unmute. And then maybe if you can respond to that. I request it unmute. Let's see. No? Pleasure, Mark. Great to see you. Yes, we got you. Yes. Thank you. All right, Ray, share, share, please. You're his name. If you heard it, then do I give you his mother or father's name? We'll do mother. We'll do mother. You heard it, Ben uh, Zabarach, if it's Barry. You heard the Ben Zabarach, okay. And then his mother, what's uh, what's Barry's wife's name, Hebrew name? Do you Rachel know? Rachel Fager. Okay, so Yehuda. Rachel Fager. Ben Rachel Fager. All right, he should have Hatzlacha, success, safety, security. Hashem should watch over him and all of the Yisrael, all of the soldiers, and take care of and really carry them on, on his wings, as it were. Uh, to safety, and they should all come back safely and uh, do what they need to do, and everybody should be blessed. Thank you, uh, Amen. Right. Amen. Oh, dead. Uh, Ray, Ray Bellman's uh, grandson. By the way, I want to also mention there's a young man from this community, Label Mengel. He lives here with his wife. They moved here recently, last year or two. He's one of the Chabad guys, a Shtibo guy. This morning, he took a flight. He's, he was in the IDF. He's a reservist. They called him up. He's, he's, on, he's on the way. He's headed over. I have a picture of him. He's, he's back, a, back, back in the... Yeah. There was a video of one of my non-Jewish colleagues that I work with sent me. He said he was in tears. Um, there was a video that was posted of the airport when a plane with some mm -hmm. dialing were coming in some reservists that were called in and arriving at Ben Gurion. Wow. And the reception they were getting arriving. So, yeah, so David mentioned that he saw a video. Um, There's a video of when the, when the soldiers, reservists, I guess, were flying in, landing in Ben Gurion, and the, the, um, the welcome they received. Just the very emotional, very powerful. Yeah. Three. Uh, there is a, there is a, I, I, I'm, I'm personally not keeping, but I have, I have lists, um, online WhatsApp that I refer to. Yeah. Rabbi, who, yeah. who was called up that you were mentioning before? I'm just wondering if it's somebody that, that I knew before I moved. No, it would be somebody in this, in the Sandy Springs oh, area. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But Ray's grandson, I'm not the, not the, Ray. you know. Yeah, raised grandson. And then there's somebody that I know from here, you know, that I've gotten to know. He actually did a Zoom event. Uh, back, uh, you know, a, a year or two ago, maybe two years ago now, um, his grand, uh, Label Mengel, um, his grandfather was a survivor in Auschwitz. Um, he was in the, and he served in the IDF, and he's got a, he's got a, just an incredible story. You may have remembered, he did a, he did an interview with us. Uh, we did a Zoom event with him. It was like called from Auschwitz to the IDF or something like that. Spoke about his grandfather's story. Um, Anyway, so, but he just, he got called and he's, he's off. I saw a picture, a very powerful picture of him uh, at the airport. See if I can pull this up super fast. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pull it up on time. Is it, is it, did you read that story about some uh, a Haredi um, uh, Jew in JFK who um, funded like 200 um, people? Was that, is that true or is that, was that a... Like, yeah, 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 well, I don't, I don't know. I, I heard the guy was paying for tickets. I don't know, but I, I do know that there's been incredible giving 
that's been happening over the last few days. This is uh, the young man I was referring to. That's him. Um, and that's it. He's got, he's got a lot of luggage, but he's, I mean, that's, and that's it. He's not, no turning back. He's off. Yeah, I, it's funny. On Sukkot, Shemini uh, um, Atzer at night, before we knew anything, it would have been Friday night, we were sitting together. There was a community meal over here. And Fabregan, I was sitting with him and his wife and his brother, and, and they were visiting from out of town, the brother and, her, and, and his wife, so the two of them, siblings, and sitting with them for, you know, for well over an hour, schmoozing and talking. And, um, yeah, but you, you listen, that, that's, that's the call of the hour, and, and everyone does in their own way. Everyone is stepping up. So we're studying Torah, we're, we're praying, giving tzedakah, doing a mitzvah for Israel, sharing with others, encouraging others to do a mitzvah, and uh, of course, there are those that are that are on the ground as well, and we need everybody's everybody's help. So, anyway, it's really great to see you guys. Um, and uh, my mom usually joins these things online, but she's here right now. She's here in person. I'm going to turn around in a second so you guys can see. Bring it in. Great to see you. Good Take to care. See you. Take care. We'll see you. All right. Yes. Oh. Oh, you can say hi to Ray. Hi, Ray. It's the Adlers. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? Good to see you. Our, our son's also you. called up there. Oh, yes, yes. Tell us your son's name. Yonatan Yonatan. No, no, Yonatan. no. This is a, wow. Okay. Yeah. Blessings. Take care. And for success and health. All right. And we'll see you guys, Lila Tov. And then my mom. The land of Israel. There she is. Hello. Say hi. Hi, Dr. Maxi. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, Ray. Hi. Hi. I'm on the phone with somebody in Pittsburgh. There you go. All right, we're not going to interrupt. But usually we're not in the same room together, so it's nice to see. Uh, I'm sure it's nice to nice to have her here. Nice to be able to, to uh, uh, for her to see everybody. Um, I just want to say hi to everybody else before we close it out. Um, Lisa and David, it's great to see you guys. Joy and Elizabeth, Sherry, it's great to have you here. Catherine, of course, Karen, Sandrine, Ray, and Dr. Maxi. Very special, very, very special. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, Lila Tov, we should hear only good news. Lots of blessings. So much. See you soon. Yeah. All right, we'll see you guys. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Good Shabbat. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. So that's why I didn't have